Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me is DJ Mark. Hello. Possibly with me later is Lavender Gooms. Expected. Yes. Expected soon. Yeah. Possibly, maybe. Not uh, <laughs> not expected. Kid presentable. No. Off for another week on assignment, right? <laughs> yeah. He's, he found another group of people he likes more than us. All right. He's, he's doing it. just have a better MMA podcast. They just have a We've second. we for 300 episodes. Yeah, but... you know, and like... Stefan was waiting for us to figure this out. We clearly haven't. We're 300 episodes in. Um, he's moved on to better and brighter things, clearly. Um, all right, we're going to talk a little bit about that weird-ass press conference in New York. Talk a little John Jones, where I was looking forward to the rest of the crew being here so I could gloat like more of an asshole. I would have gloated even more when that fight gets booked, by the way. Um, talk a little bit about this UFC Sao Paulo thing, which I saw a little bit of, Mark saw a little bit of, so we're going to talk about those little parts. Um, a little history, you know, a pretty big anniversary for Pancrase took place. Um, 25th anniversary of, I'm going to guess their first show or at least the announcement. I have exists. to assume, yeah. Uh, uh, Pancrase won We Are Hybrid Wrestlers, I think it's mm-hmm. called. Mm-hmm. I, that sh- I did that shit off the dome, Mark. Just no. Proud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 20 questions. We're going to make some picks for Bellator because the real, you know, the real anchors of this podcast, me and Mark. We're going to Bellator, all right? Yeah, and we're we, be there. And we're paying money to go to Bellator, which I've only other done. I've only done one other time. I think you've done it. You did it twice because you guys went to Barnett and DC. That was Strike Force, technically. Oh, never mind. But, then, okay, yeah. so you didn't. I think the first time I paid for Bellator was the ring in the cage thing, the duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to that one. Yeah, that was worth the price of admission. So we'll see if this one pans out. Yeah, too. I can't tell you who won anything. I think we saw Phil Davis knock somebody out. It was very surprising. Yeah, that's right. He had that. They did a little uh, heavyweight tournament. Yeah, in the card we're going to. And then, and then you, and then you said King Mo was going to get hurt and not come out. And then King Mo was hurt. And he couldn't come out. Well, not surprised. <laughs> not at all. Um. All right. So the UFC. Uh, we got a couple of things that happened. We had the UFC. Well, let's go with John Jones first because, well, we're kind of going in order, and also because I look good in this story. Well, Month, things are developing. Nothing months, is- months ago. I said John Jones is going to get cleared right before this fucking New York pay-per-view, all right? He's going to be able to fight this year, all right? You know, and I also said they're going to book him versus Gustafson. Now, people are like, people told me, people came up to the street, came up to me on the street, because you guys don't know, we're worldwide. And they're like, Bobby, you're crazy. John Jones should get at least two years. What did John Jones get? 15 months. Who do people want him to fight? Alexander Gustafson. What did Dana White say? He said that fight's not happening. 100% not happening in New York. Marcus, what does that mean to you? Well, his track record shows <laughs> that you can't really trust the <laughs> that words. Means that, that shit's happening. And, I mean, half your prediction is now true. I mean, uh, when is the official release? Like, is it literally just days before the actual event? Oh, it is five days before the event. It's almost as if it just magically worked out that way. Yeah, it um, seems weird, but uh And then we have the whole thing where John Jones has agreed to snitch on people. And mm-hmm. then and then and then, his, and then his manager said that's not what's happening really. And then you saw the respondent saying, "No, that's it. 
We got <laughs> we got a snitch. Um, Marcus, the greatest light heavyweight to ever do this thing, as far as all of us are concerned, pretty much. Possibly the greatest to ever do any of this shit. John Jones. Is he gonna find a way to fuck this up one more time? Probably. But you know what? It normally happens after the fight already happened, though. Sometimes, right? I don't think they've one time, <laughs> one time before UFC 200, he killed that shit. <laughs> but I, I mean, yeah, it, we don't really know I, at this point, And we talked about it when it when his digressions came up. Like, I can't really trust that he's going to make the fight until he's in the octagon. And now, like you kind of said, like even then, stuff might come out after that kind of tarnishes what he's able to do. And, and I don't know. I really, I do honestly hope that he's turned, you know, a page in his life, but. I think I've said that four or five times, and you know when you when you play yourself this much times, you just can't you can't do it anymore. So um, it's really up to him to kind of sort his life out. He's had so many second and third chances to do so, and has failed to do so. So you know I'm not holding out hope. I mean he's an incredible talent that um, he's only hurting himself um, in these cases. Uh, you know who knows where John Jones could have accomplished at this point if he didn't hit all these roadblocks that he has because obviously. The skill and the natural talent is there. Um, it's just bad life choices. So I really hope that he can come out and have a big fight with Gus, like you're saying, or or someone equal in that kind of caliber. And I think it has to be Gus. I don't know who I, else even because I think DC is kind of out yeah. um, at the moment because you know he, he's going to fight Brock, assumingly. Um, so I mean, Gus makes the most sense to me. I can't really think of anyone else in the light heavyweight division I'd rather slot in. So um, he needs to get that fight. He needs to look good, which I think he's totally capable of doing. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where he goes from there. But obviously, if DC is continuing to hold the heavyweight belt after Jones gets potentially this fight and wins, them meeting up in heavyweight makes a lot of sense pay-per-view wise. I think, you know, narratively for both these guys' career, it'd be really interesting. And I think it would I saw it. a poll. I think MMA Junkie put it out. As I said, who would you which fight would you rather see? Jones Gustafson two or DC or DC Jones three, I think it was like Gus right. Gustin was like fifty seven percent. People, we're gonna talk about it. Um, I mean, shit. Let's just mention it now. It is the fifth anniversary of that fight. Um, was just the other day, right? I think I put that in our. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think you. I think we mentioned. I mentioned it on Ju- on uh, yesterday or sorry, September twenty first, twenty thirteen. UFC ran commercials literally saying, hey, this guy's tall. And we all laughed at them. And then this tall guy took John Jones down in the first round. And we all, all kind of stood up like, oh, 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 something's happening here. And John Jones pulled his victory straight out of his ass because he was down two rounds to one. And he was losing the fourth round with a minute left. And then he hit him with that spinning back elbow right to the dome. And staggered the hell out of Gus, took the fourth, took the fifth in what was the greatest light heavyweight title fight uh, ever without question quite frankly in that regard um i want to see it again we got that sweet hospital picture let's do it again brother right i mean what are we doing let's make yeah, it happen i mean i'm not i'm not surprised that at least in that polling with uh gus and dc3 like that gus fights a lot more in, intriguing right we've already seen him fight dc twice and i mean he finished him in his last fight so a third fight i think has a lot of narrative interest but i think you know Physically, competitively, I, I think the Gus fight, there's a lot more question marks we have. And especially with uh, the, these two guys not being super active. Like, when was Gus's last fight? Like, I can't even remember. I think earlier this year he beat somebody up. I don't know. Right. So, it, I mean, it's been a, a while for both of them. But it, it's a really intriguing fight just because that first fight was so, you know, historic. So, I'm really interested to see if they can make that happen. 
in Madison Square Garden just makes a ton of sense. I think that event already has a big kind of headliner with Nate and Dustin Poirier, but it does kind of need that extra oomph, right? It needs that big yeah, title fight. I, I'm, I, if they just book like a random title fight ahead of Nate and Dustin, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, like what, what are we even doing? Um, so yeah, that's happening. Uh, people, a lot of people think this whole thing is fixed and all that shit. I don't know. I, DC's reaction made me laugh. Or DC said, "Usada is not allowed to come to my house at six a.m. anymore because I've never failed anything. I've had seventy Usada tests. So you gotta, you gotta come at a time convenient to me. Because what's the point of this shit?" Um, made me laugh a little bit. Uh, kind of feel for DC is gonna be tied to this, you know, cheater because that's what he did. He cheated. You yeah. can say you you can say all you want that you don't think steroids matter or you don't think with this guy matter. It does fundamentally. There's a list of rules, and you violate the rules. You violate. You're a cheater. That's what. It, that's how it works. Um, whether it was intentional or not, that's up to you guys all to decide. Decide. But a violation of the rules is using the steroids or whatever he took. It doesn't say he has to knowingly do it to be a cheater. Yeah. So you can't have this shit in your blood. You yeah. have it in your blood. Yeah. Nick, Nick Diaz cheated against Takanori Gomi. Yeah. All right. He showed up high as balls. You can't do that. All right. Or whatever he did. He was, he tested way too positive. Right. Way too, way too positive. I sound like an idiot. Um, <laughs> all right. Conor McGregor and Khabib went out there. UFC fucked this press conference up by having no crowd. Um, the sheer amount of police around it, though, makes me think that might have been a factor. Uh, Khabib did nothing. Um, and Conor talked a world of shit. And it would have been nice if the crowd was there to back him up because it was funny. A lot of it. I liked when he said he was going to, uh, Something. What do you say about Dick? He's gonna have to dig his knuckle out of his eyebrow. What was the fucking line before that? That was why a good one. Why don't we wrestle? Why don't we wrestle? You're gonna be wrestling my knuckle out of your eye socket. Well, your Irish is very Scottish, Mike. Uh, very Scottish. <laughs> hey, I thought it was supposed to be Russian. It's, to be it's not they Jamaican anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say lavender gooms in the building, folks. Um, so yeah, um, Connor. I mean, just uh, the only thing that really seemed to bother Khabib, bother Khabib was when he shit talked his dad a little bit, and he shit talked. The Putin thing. And then um, they had a cool stare down. And then Ali Abdelaziz felt he was really important and decided to yell. It said Connor was holding two fake belts, which I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying Connor McGregor knocked out the reigning defending light, lightweight champion and the reigning defending featherweight champion. Khabib knocked out Ally Quinta, who hadn't fought in a year and a half, who was ranked number 10. So, Correction. He did not knock out Max Holloway. Oh, he. He, when he won the title, he knocked out the reigning defending champion. And he also didn't – and Khabib also couldn't – didn't knock it. He took him five rounds to beat Al. I'm just saying. And Ali Abdelaziz is the worst person in this whole equation. So when people out here think this is some sort of battle between good and evil, um, it's not. Just let you know. I get, I get them confused. Malki Kawa and Ali Al Abdelaziz, which was the one that uh, gets gets money from the terrorist? That's Ali Abdelaziz. Okay. Yeah, okay. which Connor called him a terrorist, I believe, at some point up there. And then uh, I think he said he started making reference to some son Ali had that he abandoned, which is why Yo, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you look at if you look at Connor at uh, Ali's Twitter page, all of his anybody's everything he writes, people are just responding. Where's Noah? Which seems real harsh. Is that who Noah is? That seems real harsh. That's my take. That's my understanding of it. <laughs> Yo, but Connor, Connor must have gotten an A in like Eastern European history because my man was just dropping facts. Uh, dude, Connor does his research, man. Connor, when remember when he was gonna fight Floyd and he showed up in a CJ Watson Warriors jersey because CJ Watson stole Floyd's girl 
and CJ Watson was on the Warriors at the time, and he had to get that shit made. You can't just go buy a CJ Watson jersey around here, man. It's not that easy, all right? So Connor really does his work. They should have had a crowd out there. Um, we're about a week and a half. We're about a week and a half, two weeks out. Uh, my little brother calls me and says, "Hey, let's go to Connor versus Khabib." And I said, "Hey, we can't pay that much money for tickets, especially when one of the two guys is grade A when it comes to pulling out of fights." You I love this whiskey. I so we'll talk about the whiskey in a minute because Conor McGregor is the best goddamn salesman in that game. But um, Khabib pulls out of fights left and right, um, so I'm still not that confident to be honest. Um, Conor McGregor been and I've been talking about a whiskey for a couple weeks now. Comes out with a bottle of it, starts drinking it with Dana, offers some to Khabib. Khabib's lame. Okay, I know Khabib's a Muslim, people. All right, I know he's a Muslim, but anyway, Khabib doesn't want to drink with him. Okay, Khabib doesn't want to drink with him. Um, I had to go to two fucking liquor stores to buy this whiskey. All right. First one was so I, I Mark and I live in an area which we're live and work in an area which would be best described as rich and white. Okay. Um, and the rich white liquor store sold out of the Conor McGregor shit quick. Uh, had to go to a, <laughs> a still rich area, but not as rich area uh, to get his whiskey. Um, Stefan's not on, but he would have told you his review of the whiskey. Uh, we plan on drinking it when they fight. So, there's that. I still need to find my uh my bottle of it over here. It's a it's a bit of a well mission to do that. Yeah, um, the, he got a new UFC eight fight deal, and proper twelve whiskey is gonna be on the octagon for all eight of those fucking things. Um, is it gonna be center main sponsor? Mark is or side sponsor? six fight or eight fight, Mike. That would be six. Uh, he's not fighting six times. Let's be honest. Um, no, he's he's been negotiating. If he wins this fight, he's gonna renegotiate re that deal again. Yeah, yeah. Um, he has a nice bottle, by the way. His whiskey for a cheap bottle of for a twenty two dollar bottle of whiskey. It's not a bad bottle looking bottle. Gotta give him credit for one not having his name on it, two not having his face. So he's yeah. beating Dana White on most of his. Uh, well, proper twelve is the uh, I think the postal region from where he grew up in Dublin. So there we go. Some sort of family shit. I remember. It that. is connected to him in one way. Right, but it's not like Conor McGregor's silly juice. You know, that's. <laughs> I'm glad he he went a little more, more upscale, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Um. Khabib is not okay. Let's put it this way, um, Nate and Connor, because Dana says this is trending towards two and a half million pay per view buys. He's just making shit up. Nobody buys pay per views in fucking advance. The earliest we've ever bought a pay per view in advance of watching it, I think, is like four hours. Okay. Um, it doesn't. It's not, like they, it's not like yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's not like they sell out. Yeah, exactly. It's who's buying the seats? So who who's sitting there right now on Comcast? Like fuck, I gotta order now. I gotta you know? give my money now. They're gonna race. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know what? My wife's gonna be home. She's gonna see. I click. I gotta click now. I got ten minutes. You know what the fuck? Um, they say. When, when do you guys normally order pay per views? I normally order them at about nine fifty. I was gonna say, um, it depends when the gap is in the Fox Sports One fights. Because if it looks like it's getting real tight, I'll do it in the middle there. But if not, the last ten minutes, basically. Um. Yeah. Um. Where was I? Anyway, um, they say they're going to sell two and a half million pay-per-view buys. Um, Khabib is not really helping at all. Um, I still stand by the fact that him and Nate would sell way more. But here we are. Um, so they're going to fight next Saturday, maybe. Or Connor's going to fight somebody. We'll see. 
Uh, what did I say we're going to do? Should we talk about these fights that actually happened, Marcus? I think so. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some fights. Briefly, uh, if that. Um, main event was awesome. Uh, Tiago Santos took on Ale- Eric An- Eric Anders in Sao Paulo on six days' notice, and one of those days was flying to fucking Sao Paulo. Eric Anders is huge. Looks like he's made of bricks. Had to cut like 25, 30 pounds. They just wailed on each other for three rounds, and then at the end of three rounds, Eric Anders was too exhausted to move, and that was the end of the fight. Yeah, it was a really good fight, yeah. um, and it, it kind of put Tiago Santos in kind of – was this his light heavyweight debut? I, I, ho- I think so. He looked – I was impressed. Just, he looked he looked better suited for this weight class, and, and he had you know a tough out with Anders, uh, but definitely he just he looked like he was prepared for a fight, and it looked like Anders had a short notice fight. Right, he was carrying a lot of heavy weight, you know, he looked a little softer on the midsection, and he had to cut a ton of weight very quickly. He just wasn't set up for this fight, but there's some stuff that Anders did in the fight that I really appreciated. He got some pretty slick single leg takedowns, which you know aren't the easiest takedowns to get, so he definitely showed some skill and it really just showed a lot of fortitude and this was a tough fight that you know he took on short notice and, and he, he gave it a good go it just he didn't have the stamina i mean really i think that's really what it came down to bob right he just couldn't answer the bell dude he, he had third. he had nothing left at the end of that third round uh just there was the man gave us everything he had and tiago santos is probably real thing he seemed really thankful that he actually got a fight out of this because shit man yeah. six days notice guy flies guy trains out of trains in riverside i think in, in Southern California. That's a long fucking flight. And I think I read Santos was even thinking about pulling out of the fight himself because he injured his leg. Mm. So I'm sure he's thankful that he got the fight, that he was able to, you know, get a tough, you know, hard-earned victory here and really just kind of move his uh, career forward because we do know, you know, light heavyweight isn't the deepest division. So having some fresh blood like uh, Tiago Santos go in there, get a solid win, uh, you know, a main event performance, um, it's a really good stepping stone for him. I don't think he's ranked right now, but maybe he's creeping in the top 15 after that performance, I think is fair. Yeah. Um, we also had Rogerio Noguera. Um, little Nog. Little Nog. Uh, went out there and folded Sam Alvey like a lawn chair. That was a good fight. I, not only did I, unexpectedly Little Nog was able to pull it off, but um, S- Sam Alvey was pulling the trigger a lot more than we've seen in his last couple of fights, which is something that I think we've all been very critical of him, just kind of waiting for that moment to materialize and not trying to create it and make it happen. Um, he was a lot more aggressive in this fight. He's a lot more active, but ultimately um, Little Nog was just a little shy on you know unleashing his, his power hand, his left straight. And once he did in the second round, he cracked Sam. And what, what I liked about this, too, was there was a moment where they were kind of just brawling it out. And that's usually where Sam can land that big strike and turn a fight around when he's losing. And uh, Lil Nog didn't fall for it. You know, he didn't get over aggressive. He didn't just kind of lose his mind when he knew he had Sam hurt. He was cool, calculated, landed the shots he needed to land it, and, and got a, a victory that he very much needed. Um, I don't know what kind of streak he was on, but I think the general consensus is that Little Nog just hasn't looked particularly good in a while. So, you know, getting a win here, I think was really important for him. Um, yeah, it looks like in his last four fights, he's three of one. He beat pa- uh, Patrick Cummings, but lost to Bader, Shogun, and Anthony Johnson, which is kind of a killer's list right there. I mean, going down, you know, the guys he's lost to are pretty legit, but I, I mean, I know for me, the general consensus has been like, this guy is just not what he once was. Um, and this was a big win for him. So 42 years old. Yeah, uh, that doesn't help either. Yeah, so big win. Good um, for him. Cowboy Oliveira went out there and beat Caro Pedersoli in 39 Quickly. seconds. So here's the problem. During those 39 seconds, I was definitely in the other room. 
So yeah, I didn't catch this one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Andre Ewell showed up and fought a six-pound overweight Henan Barrow. Um, he dro- he got he Henan Barrow got dropped in the first minute or so of the fight. Then uh, Henan Barrow decided I'm gonna out grapple this kid. And Andre Ewell was lucky he didn't get he didn't lose an arm in there because Henan Barrow's a m- savage on the ground. Then the second round started and Andre Ewell realized that Henan Barrow not gonna stop his left straight. So then 10 more minutes passed, and Andre Henan Barrow got hit in the face with left straights. Kid won. Kid beat Henan Barrow, beat a former champion. I mean, um, a lot of people kind of have been recently, right? Yeah, like well, that man, stock has that's really still, still, for a guy making his UFC debut, though, I mean, you can't ask for much more on that shit. No, it's awesome. I mean, a and lot took, of these guys are building a good name off of Henan. It's just, it's just this guy we once considered to be pound for pound, potentially one of the best fighters of the world, and that that narrative has not been that for the last couple of years. Um, he really needs to string along a couple of victories here to kind of correct ship. Um, and this was this was a fight that seemingly on paper he should have won, right? This was a fairly unknown um, up-and-comer. And, you know, I think the weight cut is obviously getting to him. I think he has to fight at flyweight now, right, or uh, featherweight or whatever, 145. I don't know why he's not. I, I mean, he needs to go up. Aldo's moving up. Everybody just... Everybody stop going low carb at that gym and, you know, let's make this happen. Yeah. Um, Randa Marcos complained about some home cooking when she got a draw against Marina Rodriguez. I don't know about that. She very clearly won the first round, but I don't know if it was a – I don't know, man. It might, maybe it was points a, taken It, it might have been a 10-8 the first round. She was that far ahead. Uh, she. It's hard to give a 10-8 when you're not going to finish the person. Okay, so really, there was no point – because I didn't see this fight. There was no point deduction. It was a 10-8 I don't think and so. they came back. Okay. No. Okay. It was a uh-huh. decent fight. Randa, you know, would have could have used the win there for the love of God out, you know, but didn't happen. Charles Oliveira broke Hoist Gracie's submission record, which nice. considering he's like twenty eight, well done. Um Talis Light, he's retired after beating Hector Lombard, and Hector Lombard probably should have retired too. Um yeah. <laughs> and one last thing, Sergio Moraes beat Ben Saunders. Um and I didn't see the fight, but I did see was after the fight, because Sergio Moraes and Ben Saunders are big jujitsu nerds. Um, and after the fight, Ben Saunders asked him to show him how he did it. So you can see the video online of their backstage in the backstage area after they already drew, like, and Marais is already sh- is showing Ben Saunders how he caught him, like That's all the cute. transitions and stuff. I love that shit, man. That's, you know, beyond all the bluster. It's good to see that shit. Holy crap. Hector Lombard lost seven in a row. That's what I'm saying. Oh boy. We, we should probably send Hector Lombard home. Yeah. Has he, has he really lost seven in a row? He really lost seven, seven in, in a row. row. Well, okay, one of those here, is no contest. Here, this, yeah, the the his first loss against Josh Josh Berkman. Then it's Neil Magny by TKL, Dan Henderson by knockout, Johnny Hendricks by unanimous decision, Anthony Smith by TKL, CB Dalloway by DQ, and Talis Latis. Yeah, he's a uh, Hector Lombard, one of Malky's clients. Um, so is Yoel Romero, John Jones, Frank Mir. Just listing names at this point. That's it. Um, Let's do a little bit more history. We're talking about it. Um, 22nd of September, 2012, Demetrius Johnson beat Joseph Benavidez to become the first flyweight champion. Point this out because I remember watching this at Mark and Stefan's place, and all of us were pretty fucking sure DJ was not winning this fight. We all kind of felt that this division was kind of made for Benavidez to be the champion. DJ got the win and did not give that belt up for five and a half years. A couple months ago. <laughs> yeah, five, yeah. So, and then um, Pancrase came to existence 
September 21st, 1993. 25th anniversary, Marcus, of a bunch of pro MMA fighters, a bunch of pro wrestlers and MMA fighters working to do some work shoots for a couple of events there, so, huh? I, mean, I guess, I mean, this is also the UFC's 25th anniversary. So was yeah. the UFC first event before Pancreas? After. It had in November. Yeah, it was in cause, November. Because Ken, Ken already had experience. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, I've talked a great length about, you know, my, my love affair with uh, Pancrase and uh, how it came together. It was basically a, you know, the child of, uh, uh, what was that guy's name? Funaki, I think. Masato Funaki. Yeah, um, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think you're right. But uh, essentially, there was a lot of Japanese pro wrestlers, and they kind of splintered off of their one organization and made their own. And um, Pancrase was really to be the more real version of pro wrestling right i mean it, it, it kind of made pancreas very interesting in that um it had a lot of the flavorings of pro wrestling like you could escape submissions by grabbing a rope like you can literally be i'm about to get choked out i grab a rope and i lose a point which was kind of weird they basically had a point system and they had like a standing eight count so if you got dropped you lost a point it was a it was a very interesting um transition from pro wrestling to a more what we you know what we see today as um you know mixed martial arts or no holds uh, no holds barred combat um but there's a lot of rules you know they didn't have gloves they had to strike with open uh, open palms to the face you could do closed fists to the body and what you'll notice if you watch pancreas one it's uh everyone's wearing speedos that was kind of the i don't know if that was mandated by everybody but they're basically like get your speedos on get your shin guards on and um it was a much more of a grappling oriented um sport a lot of the fights were when they hit the mat there wasn't a lot of strikes on the ground uh you know when it first originated it really wasn't until boss came in as a kickboxer and he's like oh i'm on top of this guy i'm definitely going to be punching him with my closed fists in the liver as much as I can. I'm going to palm strike this dude for Mount. Um, but a lot of the original Pancrase fights were a lot of just like grappling exp expeditions and, uh, you know, striking standing up. And it was just an organization that I personally um, had a fondness for uh, because as I first started watching MMA, Ken Shamrock was kind of, you know, one of the big stars and he came from Pancrase and more and more of the stars of MMA we started to learn we're getting filtered through the Pancrase organization. And a lot of it was lines then, right? You had your um, your Ken Shamrock, Frank Shamrock, your Guy Mezgers, your Vernon Tiger Whites. Um, but then you also had your Boss Rutens, Maurice Smith. I mean, a lot of the mainstays that really became, you know, stars in the UFC uh, cut their teeth in Pancrase. And there's just, a, you know, a, a bunch of fights. And what's really cool is we've seen so many organizations come and go and, and pancreas is still alive and well today and you know it's not nearly as popular as the ufc it's not as popular as ryzen you know it's very much a small organization uh today but it has a lot of history in it and um you know josh barnett went through there yuki kondo um suzuki who's a big star in new japan i was gonna say now. you know all your new all your new japan ha heads out there minoru suzuki man who's still dude at age 50 Competed on the very first Pancrase card, taking on Katsumi Inagaki and taking him out with a rear naked choke three minutes in. Man, all these fights are real short. They knocked this out in like an hour, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, and I, they have a lot of this on the fight pass too. And and to be honest, even going back as a big fan as I am, going back to it and watching it is kind of tough. You know, the fights can be they're a little bit more tactical, um, right? A little bit more slower pace. 
but I, I always I always found them really interesting. And I, I loved when Pancrase slowly evolved into more of a mixed martial arts style when they started getting the gloves, when they stopped having to wear the shin guards. But, you know, the shin guards were a really big part of Pancrase because it allowed um, a lot of these guys to get um, leg lock submissions. You know, it was, uh, Ken Shamrock got a lot of submissions through heel hooks and knee bars, famously getting a couple on Boss Rutten. Um, it was just a really fascinating or- organization and, um, you know, deserves to be respected and known in the annals of MMA. So I'm glad we're here to celebrate 25 years. Woo-hoo. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Vernon Tiger White, Mark's favorite, right there on that card. Um, so, yeah, let's do 20 questions. Mike, let's not fuck this up. Did we uh, – I didn't hear all of the podcasts last week. How did we do considering Oof. it was just you? It was – I mean, I I don't want to. I don't want to. It's tough, Bobby being by himself. But I think, I mean, once you agree, Bobby, that last week was kind of tough because you knew the guy, but you just couldn't get there. Your your headspace was just not there. It was. uh, We did Tank Abbott last time, and a a tough pull because he's he's been kind of all over the place, but just couldn't quite get there last week. So uh, we got a new fighter. So want you guys uh, kick us off? Is it a dude? Uh, it is a gentleman this week. Is it a is it a black dude? Uh, no this this gentleman is not of African American descent or just African descent, I guess you could say. This person a former champion in a major organization. Uh, list are we talking UFC, Strikeforce, Bellator, Pride. Yeah. Uh, then no. All right. Hey, he's not. A- I'm not asking you this question, Mark. I'm just asking generally. Like, damn, he's not a champion in any of them. Okay. I was going to say, it sounds to me like he's a king of the cage champion. Uh, <laughs> uh, is uh, he a active fighter? Uh, n- he might be. It's questionable. <laughs> what type of is that? I was going to say. don't know. He, he fought quasi-recently. Is this person... Has he fought in the UFC ever? Yes. And that's let fine. Fo- Sorry. Let me, let, me, let me just follow this up. Has he fought in the UFC after UFC 100? After 100, yes. Now, you see, so I need to ask this question uh, because what is your definition of quasi? When I say he's what? Quasi... But I can't remember what I said. Because exactly. you said he fought quasi recently. What he fought in the last year. Okay. He's fought in the last See, year. That, that's what you were missing last week, Bobby. Some of that. <laughs> yeah, that I, I, who did I fuck up, Mark? Who was it supposed to be ultimately? <laughs> I didn't get Tank Abbott. That was real discouraging. <laughs> I was angry for hours afterwards. Um, this person fight above. 155 pounds. That means greater, uh, yes. more than. Okay. Yeah. He said that with such conviction. That sounds like a heavyweight. Um, <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, this dude is way heavier than 155 pounds. Has he? Okay, oh. go ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, go ahead. I don't have anything right. Has now. he competed for a UFC championship ever? Um, I don't think so. No, no, never fought for the title. This motherfucker right. picked a journeyman, Mike. <laughs> Let's let's get a recap of what we've. Uh... He's not black. He's a dude. He's fought in the UFC post UFC 100. He didn't win dick. <laughs> he fought in the last year. Remember that. He fought one. in the last. That's, year. that's a big one. That doesn't mean he fought in the UFC in the last year. Fuck. That's true. 
Has he fought in the last year in the UFC? Uh, no. I, feel, I felt we knew the answer to that, Mike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I felt this journeyman <laughs> motherfucker. Well, he solidified it. Yeah, he uh, could have. He could have journeyed his ass to the. Did UFC he fight? In the last did he year. fight in the UFC at a hundred at two hundred and five pounds or greater? Uh, no. Okay, he's and a belt. So he's a welterweight or a middleweight, and he wasn't the champion. Ooh, wait a second. Um, is he Canadian? Uh, no. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's not Roy McDonald. He's a champion in Bellator. Fuck, he's a champion. <laughs> he's a fucking champion. God damn it! Well, I know he's also not. Canadian. Is he? Uh, is he white, dude? Um, should I just take that question back? I mean, I mean, Mark, I mean, it's pretty real simple to know if somebody's white. Well, I, is he from, <laughs> is he from, okay, Mark doesn't know. Mark's not positive. And I'm not going to give him a way out of this. Uh, I, give me my question back. Okay. I, I, didn't, I didn't mark it. Mark, why, All right. why don't you Google him and see I, if he's white? Okay. <laughs> well, it, 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 you're going to find out who it is and then you'll be like, okay. I mean, pro- I guess you would. I guess you would say no. Okay, he's from Europe, Mike. All right, that's what we're going with. But you're from white, right? I don't know. Are people from Spain white? I know the answer to this is yes. I'm just waiting. What, 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 is it? Are we saying yeah. yes? Then I don't know. Um, I remember. I remember Bobby Law School once said that Iranians are the true white people. I didn't say we're the true white people. I said we're definitely white people, though. At least we were. <laughs> the, the, the last uh, 20 years really took care of that problem for people. <laughs> oh, man, I, I had Phil Baroni in my head. Um, well, if, if it was Phil Baroni, I would have definitely said he's white. I know. That's why I know it's not Phil Baroni anymore. All right, so he's either 170 or 185 pounds in the UFC. And he's not he, black. Maybe he's white. I guess you would say he's not white. Okay, I'll give you that one for free. Okay, mean, okay, not uh, white. Okay. So, so what I'm what I'm thinking is maybe a type of Arab of some sort who's light skinned. There's not that many of those people. <laughs> Did he have more than three UFC fights? Uh, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So we're at twelve. Just to give you guys a heads up. Does he? Uh, did he Wait. have hair? Did he have hair? Yeah, he had hair. Okay. Had did he hair. have more than a buzz cut? That's uh, what yeah. I'm asking. Okay. Who do you think it is? I don't know. Chris Lytle. <laughs> He's pretty white, though. <laughs> oh wait, we haven't asked if he fought. In, like, we know he had hasn't fought in the UFC, but we. I just assumed it was Bellator. That he fought in the Bellator since that time. Yeah, because he said he's fought in the last year. You want to ask him if he's fought in Bellator? Maybe cover your ass a little bit more. Maybe say, has he fought in Bellator in the last three years? Is that that question? Mark, Mike, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah, I'll ask that. Okay, has he fought in the last three years in Bellator? Uh, That would be a no. Okay. Yeah, you know. He's he's fought in Bellator before. In the last three years, though, yeah. So not not Chris Lytle. Roger Huerta's too big. That's too small. Isn't Roger Huerta Brazilian? Nah, he's Mexican, he's Mexican, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, but I guess that would count as not black and not he, white. He he yeah. also just fought like last weekend. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't find Beltor, did he? He did. He fought a uh, little pitbull and he lost. <laughs> oh, he's the one who got knocked out real quick. Was that him? I don't think he got knocked uh, out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it ended. Maybe he did get uh, knocked out. Okay. I think so. Uh, we got to start thinking of Latinos and Brazilians. I think that fought. How many, how many people do you know that are that isn't that aren't Manny Newton at these weight classes, man? Yo. <laughs> He, he really he picked Bellator like our, I was gonna say like uh, the other people I know in Bellator were champions or old UFC fighters. All right, I mean Run he had 14. a Bellator minute that never took up a minute. So he hasn't fought in Bellator in the last three years, but it very much sounds like he fought in Bellator. All right, I think I'm gonna narrow it down from 170 okay. to 185. Okay. Did he fight at 180? Does he fight at 185? Uh, no. Okay, so right. it's a one. It's the one seventy. And he never fought for a title in the UFC. Correct. The Mike Swick. Mike Swick's pretty white. Mike Swick also Ooh. fought like five different weight classes. There's no way Mike Swick is still fighting at one seventy. Mike Swick hasn't fought anywhere. Yeah, he hasn't fought in a while. I think we saw his last fight, actually, Mark. Probably. We're at uh, fifteen. You guys are you're narrowing it down. You're getting close. All right, all right, Mike. We got this. Um, <laughs> No, we don't. <laughs> All right. All right. What's your question, Bob? Let's just start naming mucking 170 pound guys. Well, fuck it. Is he Brazilian? Uh, no. Set 16. Is he a sort of Latino? No. What the fuck is this guy? Russian. I think. I think he is a. I think he is a, a an Arab that looks white. Uh, who, we don't have white. that many of those. Did Amir Sadala fight in Bellator? Yeah, I don't. I don't think, think so. He has. That would been a good I one. I was gonna say Musasi, but he was champion of Strike Force, and he's champion of Bellator. I'm gonna send you a Shit. Wikipedia link with all the Wiki, with all the Bellator champions, Mike. <laughs> I really, I really need to bone up on my Bellator. <laughs> um, Walter White's in the UFC. Dan Hardy's pretty white. He fought for a belt too. Yeah, but he hasn't fought in like the last. So we, we don't know. We, we can't even tell. We can't even. We can't even tell where this motherfucker's from. Yo, honestly, God, I can't even think of Bellator welterweights not named Rory McDonald. <laughs> I got like Rory. Who did Ben Askren beat up? He beat up Koreshkov. He beat up Lima. He beat all the guys who were champion. Uh, the, the only other two one seventies seventy people I could think of from Bellator are two black dudes from England. Mark either really sold this well that but he actually has never fought in Be Maybe we should ask if he's fought in Bellator, period, before we go down this fucking rabbit hole. Has he fought in Bellator at all? Yes, he has. All right. Come on. He fought in the UFC at 170 pounds <laughs> in Bellator. Uh, Not within the last three years, and it was close. Like, I think I'm doing the math, and I'm like, yeah, that looks like. And Hector Lombard was a champ, was champion in Bellator. He's a Latino anyway. God damn it. Are there any Asians in Bellator at 170? I don't... I don't know. All right. Uh, How about the Monsoon? Lorenz Larkin's fighting there right now. It can't be Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin Black. Yeah. Damn, Mark. 
You, you came with the thunder this I'm one. I stumped you guys. Another Tank Jesus. Abbott. Because th this is going to be another one, like, when I say it, you guys are going to be like, fuck, that's right. I'm that's trying to right. think, like, uh... Like, Paul Daly just fought there. And he's also, also black. Beltor! I mean, it's not a black dude, huh? All right. Uh, <laughs> motherfucker, okay. He did uh, not I, change ethnicities in the last... Yeah. <laughs> We keep losing. I don't think we've ever lost when it wasn't just me. Uh, that was the first time for everything. No, we got it. We got We got this. We got. You got two more. We got. We, 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 we have two more questions. Points. Yeah, you guys are at eighteen. So technically, I thought, we're at, get... I thought we we're at seventeen. <laughs> no, eighteen. Okay, we got two, two and then a guess, or is one of those the guess? And usually supposed to be one and then a guess. <laughs> I think we're pretty fucked, Mike. Um, Uh, All right. Do you want to try and say, ask if he's fought in like one of the last two cards for Bellator? Um, that'd be a waste, Mike. We know he hasn't fought in Bellator in the last three years, so. Oh shit! Yeah, but he's fought in the last year. Do you guys want to throw I in? Think, I think we need to go for who? Who's fought in bare knuckle that you guys have watched in the last uh, few times, Bobby? How about what's it, How about fuck, how about how about how about fucking Ben Saunders? Ben Saunders is pretty white. Did he find bare knuckle? The bare knuckle is Lionel. Johnny Hendricks is in there. Phil Baroni's in there. Lieben. Lieben's in there. I'm just running out of fucking welterweights, man. That's all I'm we saying. Established, we established the dude isn't white, black, Latino, and Brazilian. It's a fucking alien. I mean, I was gonna say, how about like uh, it's Goku? I bet it's Goku. It's what, Goku what, what was Ball Z, apparently. What was what was the name of the big of the judo guy in Bellator? He's not. Yeah. I mean, if it's, I wouldn't even be on um Han. It's not gonna be. He's white too. Yeah, Rakan. All right, we, we we need another question. He was not uh, a champion. Yo, Bobby, I'm stumped, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you get one more question, then you got to come with you got to come with a guess. Did, did you actually pick a person? That's not the question. No, that's is not he, the question. Is I need he, a legit question? Quick. Is he from Europe? Yeah, yeah. This is why we question. can't answer shit. Every question we ask, Mark's got to be like, I don't know. I'm Mark, gonna Mark, tell Mark, you. Okay, I'll tell Mark, you, Mark, it is, Mark, and then you can yell at Mark, me all you Mark, want. Mark I, picked Mr. Fuck, Mr. Fucking Potato Head, okay, or something. <laughs> Okay. Um. It, was he from Europe or not? I, I I don't think technically it's part of Europe. I guess. Yo, bro, get a map out and figure out if the brother <laughs> ever is from Europe. No, I no. Okay, so this guy's from either. This guy's from like Russia, right? <laughs> Russia's part of Europe, right? Part of it is, isn't it? <laughs> See, no, no. Who doesn't know shit? The hell, motherfucker! Everyone yells. Russia, at him. Okay, Russia so he's Russian. Is, Russia is both a part of Asia and Europe. Okay. So you guys got to guess. You can right. you can yell and scream if I give you a bad clue all you want. But I'm going to so, tell you who it is. You're like, okay, I get it. I get it. Mike, you got a Russian? That fights <laughs> not in the UFC? <laughs> That's not named Fedor? <laughs> uh, anyone we know that fights for M1? All the guys I know from M1 were Bellator champions. They kicked out. All right. Uh, I need to guess... All right. Um, I got uh, I got Habib's little brother. 
Okay. He's fine in the UFC. Fine, whatever. I got him. Who is it? Habib's little brother. It was not Habib's little brother. This was Caro Parisian. Where the right? hell is Caro Parisian Middle East? from? Okay, I got you. So wh where's that from? Huh? We didn't ask uh, if he was Middle Eastern. That is I true. I guess technically I just looked at his thing. He's from the Soviet Union. So still, who knows? I don't know where. I don't know where you're He didn't fight. He, did, he, did, he never got a title shot? Huh? Nope. He never got a title shot? He fought GSP, but that was before GSP had the title. Oh, that's when he got he got hurt. He fought hurt too. He yeah. Fought he fought in Bellator last on October 3rd, 2014. Putting this out there, folks. If you guys don't know who Carl Parisian is, you go look up Carl Parisian versus Diego Sanchez. You look up Carl Parisian versus Nick Diaz. You look up Carl Parisian being mean to Nate Diaz on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I loved Carl Parisian. He was awesome. Yeah. Guy Carl, had a Carl. got a really he had a real bad drug problem eventually, kind of derailed his shit. But he was um he was the one talking about how shitty Ronda's coach was for years. By the way, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm I'm Iranian and we like to talk shit. The only people who like to talk shit more than us, Armenians. Armenians <laughs> love to talk shit. I told Mike this, and my, every time anybody, any, any like Carl would come up, you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's just how we roll, man. Now you can understand. The one that um he like started his career 0 and 0 in the UFC, right? That was him. Uh, no, he had Amir. No, Sadala was 0-0 when he got ah, to the UFC. That's the one. What happened to Amir Sadala? It's a real question. I don't know. I don't really know. I he was he was good. Like I'm not saying he was gonna be champion, but he was good. <laughs> but do you guys now see some of the difficulty in answering some of these questions? Is he I white? Do. His skin color is white. I think if you walk down the street, Joe Schmo might say he's a white guy, but technically he's not. So you can see the gray area and you can moan yeah, and complain. Fair enough. But now that hey, hey, let's uh, in the future, you got to play 20 questions with yourself on the person you do. So we don't hear a whole bunch of, uh, well, hey, I don't know how much you guys are going to ask. You guys could ask literally. We anything. ask the same questions. What, where is he from? What he look like? Does he got a belt? All right. Those are our questions. They're all revolving around that. Well, sometimes they're easier to identify than others. Uh, Mike, I don't know if you, I mean, I know you didn't, but uh, keep track of the picks because we're about to do this shit. Um, let's put the article up. Um, you have Bellator 206 coming to you from the beautiful SAP Center, an arena I thought was a great, great, beautiful arena until I visited that arena in Sacramento and I said, oh shit, there are way better arenas out there. And then I went to the Las Vegas one and I thought, oh my God, San Jose sucks and Oakland's worse. Um, Bellator 206, headlined by Gegard Mousasi, defending his middleweight title against the welterweight champion, Rory McDonald. Five rounds of action, owned by a TV company, but fuck it, we're putting it on a streaming service called The Zone. Um, leading off this card, Miss Carrie Ann Melendez, wife of Gilbert Melendez. She's fighting some girl, doesn't matter. I got Carrie Melendez. Mark's got Carrie Melendez. Mike's got Carrie Melendez. Stefan's got Carrie Melendez. Anybody got any thoughts on this? Nope. We don't actually. She hit that one girl with a one hitter quitter when we were there last, Mike. Mark, Not remember to that? be contrarian, but I'm picking Carrie Melendez as well. Okay. Very nice. Thank you, Mike. Way to, way to go. Um, also on this card, the pride of San Jose. I think he's from there. Um, Aaron Pico. One of the best prospects Bellator has, not named AJ McKee, who is 12 and fucking 0, by the way. We should be talking about AJ McKee a little bit more, putting that out there. Aaron Pico trying to rise up to Bellator rankings. I don't know what Scott Coker's doing. Very not Scott Coker of him, Marcus, to make him fight such good people. All right? 
We got P- MVP still out there fighting Rudy Bears for like the sixth time. You're making Aaron Pico face former cha- former uh, title contender Leandro Higo. Um, I want odds. That's what I'm looking for. The lack of Stefan has messed up my system here. I want to know if we got Bellator odds because that would be uh, helpful. Stefan is taking young Aaron Pico to win this one. We have no odds. Great. Um, I'm taking Aaron Pico also because... I've been paying attention to this kid for a while. I'd like to see this keep going, <laughs> to be honest. Um, Marcus, what do you think? I'm going to mix up. I'll go with uh, uh, Leandro Higo. Um, yeah. Just because, um, I mean, like you said, like he's kind of made some waves. He's fought some good guys. I mean, he has a couple of losses on his record. Um, but I think he might, you know, this is this is a big step up in competition for Aaron Pico. And we know the first time Pico fought, you know, it didn't quite go his way. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big step. I'm interested to see how he performs. But, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go on the the edge here and the ledge and uh, go with Higo, even though I'm not super familiar with him. Yeah, when I say, by the way, Higo fought for the belt, I mean this year. Yeah, he like fought, his last fight. He fought Darian Caldwell for the belt. Um, also got a loss to Eduardo Dantes. No shame in that either. Darian Caldwell and Dantes, both very good fighters. Got some other losses. Got a couple other losses when he was much younger. This is a really tough fight. Mike, they're really throwing this kid into the fire. Yeah, I think to something you said a little earlier, this might be an indictment on what he thinks of MVP skill set if he's still giving him tomato cans. But I'm going with the hot young prospect Aaron Pico as I am wont to do. Yeah, the man with dynamite in his fists, Aaron Pico. Three and one, three three people picking the rookie here. So we'll see what happens. Um... Andre Koreshkov versus Douglas Lima in a qualifying matchup for, uh, or I mean, an opening round matchup in the Belter in the Bellator welterweight uh, Grand Prix. I want to pull up because I know these guys have fought at least once. Yeah. Already, um, the last one I believe is when did Koreshkov take the belt off Lima? The last one, or is it the other way around? Uh, Koreshkov's no, Koreshkov lost his belt to Douglas Lima, (laughs) but he beat them the first time they fought and won the belt off of him. Yeah, he took the belt off. These two are very, very good. Somebody else talk. I'm dying over here. Uh, Well, Koreshkov won the first fight by unanimous decision, but then Lima came back and uh, starched them in the third round. So, what do you think, Marcus? Who wins the rubber match? I am going with Douglas Lima um, just because last fight he won. He has that momentum going on his side. But, yeah, a really tough, tough fight to pick. You know, these guys have fought before, and they've each gotten a W. So who's to say, really? I um, Oh, I was going to say, uh, Stefan's got um, I'm Koreshkov. Oh, really? Back, and I think he went Let me Let me make sure. He took Koreshkov. I'm thinking Koreshkov, too. Because I watched Koreshkov um, beat the bejesus out of Benson Henderson. I watched him take the belt off Lima. I didn't see him lose to Lima, but he's really good. Like, he's 28 years old. He's 21 and 2. Not that Douglas Lima is not good either. They're both. These are two guys who would do well in the UFC. Both of them. They're that talented. Um, I just, I'm leaning towards, uh, towards the Russian here. Yeah, we're, gonna be, we're, gonna, we're going with our buddy Max. We've got a roof for the Russian. Benson <laughs> Henderson is washed, so I don't give anything to that win. And Lima starts them more recently than Koreshoff won, so I'm going with Lima. All right, got a split. That's nice. Nice. That's split fun. there. Um, also on this card, this is 
Age in a Cage. Quentin <laughs> Rampage Jackson <laughs> versus Vanderlei Silva, brother. We're going to run it back a fourth time. A fourth time. A fourth time. What weight class is this even at, guys? I'm not even kidding. Is it a heavyweight? <laughs> we're, we're not even coming in at cruiserweight? No, no. Uh, that's Rampage weight, baby. 215. Um, we have not seen... <laughs> Mike's dying over there. Age in the cage is good. They should make I an organization that's just called Age in the Cage and have all the I, legends. I, 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 I didn't make that up. They definitely use it on some other fight. <laughs> really I think I think I killed Sanchez though. He's over there dying. <laughs> is it Age in the Cage or is it the fact that this is at heavyweight, Mike? Which one's doing it to you? I was pretty sure it was Age in the Cage, but it could be heavyweight. It was Age in the Cage. Okay. <laughs> that was Quentin Ramp. Quentin Rampage Jackson. 40 years old, 37 and 13. <laughs> last. <laughs> Mike cannot get it together. That broke lost, lost his last two fights. The last one, he got lay and prayed by Chael Sonnen. Vanderlei mm. Silva, his last fight, got lay and prayed by Chael Sonnen. Um, Vanderlei is 42 fucking years old, 35 and 13. He'd been knocked out six times. I don't believe that. Man, their at least records 10. are like eerily similar yeah uh quinn jackson been knocked out three times three losses by ko slash tko marcus can you name them uh yeah uh vanderlei vanderlei and shogun <laughs> well done <laughs> can you name any of the six can you how many of the six times shogun i mean vanderlei's been knocked out can you name well i'm looking at his page now so it's not that hard i, I mean i was gonna say i um, could have i could have i mean leaving quentin uh, Krokop. Did Chuck uh, knock him out? He just beat him, right? No, Chuck just beat him. Um, what's somebody else knocked him out and he went just face lit? Oh, had more than three. Hendo Krokop. killed him. Krokop, we said already. Was it more than okay. once? Did uh, Mark Hunt knock him out? No, no, he decisioned him, but it was a beating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's some of these. I don't think we're gonna. Who, who else did he get knocked out by? Man. Uh, we did get Quentin. Okay. Yeah. It's just amazing. They literally have the exact same amount of fights, and their record is almost yeah, one guy, exactly. Quinn's got two more wins, and Vanderlei's got a no contest and a draw in there. Yeah. I'm trying to see where these other knockouts are. Who the fuck knocked out Vanderlei? Vitor. Vitor. I forgot. Damn. That's a good one. And then Artur Mariano. Yeah. Um, there's no betting odds. Stefan's got um, Vanderlei. Ooh, he's got he, he's got Vanderlei. Um, I'm taking um, I'm taking Quentin. Man, last time they fought, Quentin knocked him into the next town. Um, Me too. They, I think Vanderlei's chin uh, is super. I think Van, I think I think I think Vanderlei's getting knocked out. I do too. I, I, I Quentin has not. I, it could just be two slow guys, but I got Quentin getting getting a hold of something. It could be a sloppy decision where these guys are just exhausted yeah. by the middle of the second can round. I, can I, if we stop at Home Depot, I can get my chain and we can represent Quentin fully at this event. They're not going to I'm actually, I'm kind of, you know, I know they're not. I'm honestly mad. Like, this is kind of like, it's fun. Quinn, Quinn's one of our favorite fighters, you know. I think all of us, quite frankly. I mean, a lot of the sheen's worn off at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, like, there was a time, man, where, like, Mark, the way Mark got me into this is Quentin Jackson, a lot of it, because he's hilarious. And he just slammed motherfuckers. And um, I never seen him fight live before. This is the first time I'm seeing Quinn Jackson fight live. It's kind of sad that it took 50 fights 
51 fights. Well, it's going to be said, and we this is the Quinton that we're going to see, right? Like, this is not yeah. prime six-pack. I mean, this I, is I, heavy I, weight. He's going to... I mean, we saw Krokop get sat on by Roy Nelson. That was not fun either. Yeah. We were there for that one, so, I mean... But Mike, who do you got? Yeah, Mike, who do you got in this one? So, uh, also, I just want to set you guys up for, uh, for a plot of a movie. A uh, group of aging veterans decide to uh go to war for uh an- another time is this the plots the expendables for or jackson silva for who knows it could be both i'm well, going jackson <laughs> okay yeah i think like if vanderley takes down quentin that's when i'm getting up to buy nachos i'm just putting that out there oh, if he so double x quentin <laughs> we're going to get food okay i'm, I'm leaving okay? I, don't, I legitimately think these guys are just gonna bang i don't think either of them are interested in having a, a i think i'm now. worried it's gonna be a minute and a half later and they're both gonna be exhausted and that's gonna be another fight we're just gonna stand and look at each other for another 13 minutes i, I feel like they're, these guys will just keep throwing though even when they're tired i you know if vanderlei he's not gonna quit honestly i'm not i mean there was a time where you're just like if please show up in shape quentin you'll be you know yeah competitive well, that's not gonna be this time but yeah i mean he showed up less than I, like what number what weight does he have to weigh for us to not feel bad about this less than 240 uh, that, that's exactly what i was thinking because 235 he can still be okay-ish you know just you know don't be too soft but like if he's less above than 240, 240 that's gonna be rough if i remember the line of demarcation for the confidence you had in quinson was does he have abs on the scale that's at 205 yeah that's not, <laughs> that's not that's happening not anymore picture, there's no yeah. abs I mean, look, it's fine. He's going to fight at a higher weight class. He's 40 years old, but yeah. just don't show up at 255. That's all I'm asking at this point. Um, this main event is... Honestly, I really like this card, despite this possibly depressing main co-main event. This main event is the fucking tits. Um, this is a technical term right there for you folks. Gegard Musasi taking on Rory McDonald. Champion versus champion. I don't know why Bellator is not screaming this shit from the fucking rooftops. This is competitively maybe the best thing they can put on. 44 and 6, Gegard Musasi, who's not lost a fight since he got hit with a video game combination from Uriah Hall uh, three years ago. Uh, Rory McDonald hasn't lost in uh, about two years, came back, lost to Stephen Thompson. Since then, has looked great in Bellator. Douglas Lima gave him everything he wanted and then some in that title fight. Douglas Lima fucked up his leg with leg kicks. Um, Musasi, um, had a tough fight with Shlomenko, um, but then took that and then, uh, took care of Rafael Carvalho in about three minutes. Um, betting lines in this one, I think, um, probably pretty accurate, honestly. Minus 250, Gegard Musasi, plus 210, uh, Roy McDonald. Stefan's got Gegard Musasi. I got Sweet and Sassy Musasi also. I think he's just too big. And I don't think Rory's necessarily fast, necessarily faster than him. So I got I got Musasi. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. You know, when I first saw this fight, I was like, shit, this is really tough to to really pick. But I, I think when you just play numbers, uh, Gegard has he's been there and back. I mean, he's fought in everybody and always looks good. He never looks bad in a fight. I mean, maybe the Uriah, Uriah Hall just getting caught with something like that wasn't a great look for him. But obviously, they rematched. He smoked him. Like this dude is just technical to a T, and so's Rory, right? And that's what makes this so um, so compelling. But really, I think you kind of nailed it on the head, Bob. Um, Rory coming up to middleweight, we haven't seen him at this weight class. It just that's enough of a question in and of itself to give the slight edge to someone who is technically just as masterful as he is um, at a higher weight division. So yeah, I, I mean, it's worth mentioning. 
it's worth mentioning Rory's got a win over the UFC welterweight champion. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, you could deb- say that well, Tyron, I mean, they both, I mean, Tyron's gotten better, clearly. Better, sure. Rory's probably gotten better, too. But they got a champion who beat the UFC champion. Um, and if he goes out there and beats Kegard Musasi, holy shit. That is impressive as hell. But I just, I think he's just too big. Mark, Mike, what do you think? Well, I think Rory McDonald has been very impressive as well, which is why I'm not as concerned about the the weight difference. I think that Rory is just as technical as Gegar Musasi is, and I think he always goes in there with a masterful game plan, and I don't think this time is going to be any different. So you got Mr. Rory McDonald getting the W here. And I'm loving it. Um, I, this is uh, you know what? If, I don't, I don't get this whole joining the zone thing they're doing. Um, but if this is, this is how they really live, this isn't on Paramount at all, it's this only is on, on the streaming service. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, yeah. Mike, do you still have this? I actually canceled uh my the zone account when I was in Japan, uh, because that was literally the only time I could do it. But I guess I'll be reactivating it now. Apparently, Anthony Joshua's fight was that last weekend. Yeah, it was Somebody, on the zone. It was on the zone. It's ten bucks a month, but it, the, you can get a one month trial or a one week trial or something's going on. Um, so those you guys are, are those guys interested in so, checking it out? Mike, what else is on it? Like what? What am I? What am I getting? With well, I think, it's just, I, think, I think it's just boxing. I think it depends because I think the zone US is going to be much different than it is in, let's say. Uh, some of the Asian countries, because in the Asian countries, I got every MLB game, you get every soccer game, you get every UFC event, you get. Uh, I got the Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, so hey, I'm looking. I'm looking at their website. Um, but it's worth mentioning the Canadian version is twenty bucks, and it comes with Red Zone, which is huge. Yep, oh, it, it came with Red Zone as well uh, while I was this over is, there. So it looks like it's ten bucks a month. They're saying eighty plus fight nights per year. Live and on demand, fights from Matchroom USA, USA, Bellator, World Boxing Super Series, and Combate Americas. If you're a real shit-eating wild man about combat sports. Yeah, I mean, that being said, you can get Fight Pass, and like that'll probably have a lot more. I mean, there's too, honestly, I think we're, I'm at the point where like I can only watch so much stuff that isn't the UFC. There's too many events yeah. already. Yeah, so I think the zone's going to have, I think, like what Mike was saying in Japan, like, yeah, if you like sports in America, it's retarded not to get that, but... If it's just combat sports here in the states, it's like, well, there's fight pass. I mean, Bellator is what's getting hyped up big time on their website. It gives you an indication. Yeah, I mean, and and hey, like this fight's this fight's worth ten bucks. This card's worth ten dollars. I would pay ten dollars. Yeah, no problem. This is excellent card. This is a good job by Bellator. So this shit's happening this Saturday. Marcus and I are going to be there. We're not covering the event, so um, no, no no live stuff. I'll I'll be I'll be drinking, um, but maybe you know. We'll follow along. We'll see if Mike watches it, see if Steph watches it. But we're going to be there, you know. Maybe we'll schmooze our way back. Who's, uh, we won't. who's who? Who is uh, Steph on? Yeah, Gagard. Gagard. Yeah, we all are, I think. Yeah. Ooh, so I'm alone on this island. Yeah. Yeah. She's taking a chance there, brother. Um, uh, we just have stuff we like? Yeah. All right. We actually can get out of this bitch. Con- oh, God. It's already an hour. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we blew by that all one. All right. <laughs> um... I watched something. I already forgot what the fuck it was. American Van. Okay. Oh, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman. I finished Bojack Horseman season five. You can't watch Bojack Horseman if you're in a bad mood. 
or you're feeling down. Because that show is depressing. All right? The shit hits you in the feelings. Um, show's really good, man. It's dark as hell. I think it's not funny, quite frankly, anymore, much of it. I mean, some of I mean, Aaron Paul's character, Todd, is some comic relief. But everything out of Bojack's mouth and Allison Bree's character, Diane's mouth. And fuck, shit's just grim. Yeah, um, but it's... Mark's dog's going to town. Um, we're, uh... It's a good show, man. If you're, if you're not... I mean, it's season five, so... If you want to start watching season one of BoJack... All the seasons are entertaining. They only get better. You realize this is not just a regular animated show. There's a lot of shit going on. It's not just a gimmick where people are talking to animals. But yeah, I dug it. I look forward to another season after this. Mike, what do you got? For me, it's a show that's on Netflix as well. It's this uh, Japanese show called Agaretsuko. It's a play on the word aggressive and the main character's name, uh, Retsuko. It's a 10 episode, has a 10 episode season, uh, ABA. And I personally loved it because I worked a year in a Japanese office and a lot of the elements of the show um, uh, harken back to that. And I find a lot of that extremely funny. But I think even for those that didn't work a salary man's life for a year, I think you'll still find it pretty entertaining. It follows a a about 23, 24-year-old um, clerical worker called uh, Ritsuko. And what it is is a cartoon where everyone is a different kind of animal. And the twist on this show is that even though for all intents and purposes, she's just a regular uh office lady who who works in an in office in uh, in tokyo she also sings heavy death metal music in karaoke and that's how she gets her rage out from her frustration about her uh daily life at the office and uh she has a boss who's just a real a-hole and uh it's it's a pretty funny show. I I burned through the ten episodes in about three days, and I would highly recommend that show. Um, you know, give the first episode a shot and see. What uh, you guys Mike, think. is this is this a Netflix original? It wasn't like an it animated. Is. Okay, that's what I thought. No, it's on Netflix. Yeah. Marcus? Yeah. Uh, so this week, uh, not a ton of games coming up, but I want to talk about gaming stuff. So uh, Valkyrie, Valkyria Chronicles 4 is coming out this week, which is a, a sequel to Valkyria Chronicles um, and more a direct sequel to that original game. It's a strategy RPG. It's really cool. Um, it takes place in an alternate setting of World War II. Um, just a really cool looking art style and really fun uh, tactical RPG. Um, and then I want to talk about uh, this last week. There was a couple of game studios that closed down. Um, it was Capcom Vancouver. Uh, they made the Dead Rising games. Uh, they got closed down earlier this week. But more surprising was late last week, uh, Telltale Games closed their doors uh, pretty suddenly. Um, if you don't know who Telltale Games Whoa. is, they were doing the uh, Walking Dead series. They did uh, Game of Thrones series, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, two uh, seasons of Batman. Uh, but mostly, they're mostly known for The Walking Dead, which they're actually doing their final season right now. In fact, when you're listening to this, I think the second episode of that season is coming out today. 
Um, and yeah, last Thursday, uh, very suddenly the studio was closed down. They had 250 employees. They windled down to 25 just to keep their last, their to finish up their last project, which I thought was The Walking Dead. But I read an article today that said it was the Minecraft story mode, which I thought already finished. So I'm not totally sure about that. But um, it was just really shocking. Uh, Telltale, uh, their games are a kind of revitalization of the point and click adventure games, which was really popular on PC back in the early mid nineties and kind of died off. And there's a huge fan base for it. Um, and telltale kind of was able to cultivate that fan base. And the first season, I mean, they did many games before the walking dead season one, but that was really their breakout uh, game. That's right. When the TV show was hitting off and there was just a fever for that franchise. And the game was the first season was quite fantastic. They had a really strong story. Um, with really memorable characters taking place in a franchise that a lot of people were interested in. Um, personally, for me, um, the season they did after that was um, The Wolf Among Us, which was based off the Fables comics, and that was really good. After those first two seasons, all of their games have not quite hit the mark, and they have been getting kind of lesser and lesser. And I, I dropped off. I think Game of Thrones was the last uh, Telltale game I played. Um, but it's still really sad to see the company go under. Um, they have to get a lot of credit for revitalizing a genre of games that was pretty much dead um, and really kind of showing new angles on franchises that, you know, we're all familiar with. Like I was actually a big comic book Walking Dead fan. So it was really fun to play the game and see characters like, um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? What's the Asian guy's name? Uh, Glenn. To see Glenn like in a video game was really cool. And then they did some really fascinating stuff with Batman. They basically threw that whole storyline on his head. And Batman is actually a bad guy. And um, the Joker is kind of like this quasi anti-hero good guy. And there's really just a lot of interesting stuff going on in that narrative. And what's really sad is just this was the final season of The Walking Dead. It's really the game that uh, put them on the map. And it's just sad to see that it couldn't sustain. I mean, the company, there's a lot of stories you can go out and look. The company grew really fast. Um, one of the co-creators of the studio was kind of pushed out and he's actually suing the company. There was lots of stories about their employees being overworked. If you actually follow the trajectory of that studio, they were putting out a lot of these seasonal games that hit episodes that hit every month or two months. And their schedule is just like they're constantly pushing stuff out, um, probably too much so. And um, they, their games also had a lot of issues with the engine they were running on. Um, they tend to have a lot of bugs, slowdowns, um, crashes, and stuff like that. But it's just really sad to see a big studio like that um, get swallowed up. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, they just have to be remembered for a lot of the fantastic games they made, like the ones I mentioned before. Uh, so that's pretty much, you know, kind of a dapper note. But hopefully a lot of those people can find um, jobs in other places. Telltale was kind of in our backyard in the Bay Area. So there's lots of other gaming studios that they potentially could go to. But um, it always just sucks when um, you see a studio like that just... I mean, The Walking Dead, the 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 Dead Rising studio, uh, Capcom Vancouver, wasn't as surprising because the Dead Rising games were slowly in the same kind of trajectory. They were just not selling as much. And 3 was exclusive to the Xbox One, which I think probably ultimately hurt sales. And then Dead Rising 4, there was a year delay until it came out on PS4. And I think that ultimately that kind of stole a lot of the thunder when a game comes out on another system. And then when it comes out on the more pervasive system with the more users it's kind of old news because it's been in the zeitgeist for the last year so um yeah it's really sad to see that stuff go but uh there's always lots of fun interesting games coming out there's tons of studios that i'm sure will be uh picking off the top talent of these teams so yeah there you go 
Well, it's sad to right hear that it's leaving. I, li I like yeah. Telltale games. Yeah. Um, what is cool and I think is actually starting out, coming out this week, is there's a series called Life is Strange, which is very much in that vein. Um, and the first season and their follow-up kind of prequel were really, really good. Um, as someone that kind of says, like, Telltale games were getting kind of less and less interesting, um, the Life, in, Life is Strange series is just getting more and more interesting, and their games seem to be getting better and better in quality. And they're very much of that same ilk. It's very much a point-and-click adventure game where you're controlling, you know, a three-dimensional person through an environment, picking up clues, and then kind of putting that stuff together. But Life is Strange has done some really interesting stuff with their kind of universe and lore. And uh, they have a new game coming out. So hopefully that tradition of game can live on. There's obviously a market for it, um, which Telltale was able to, to put a light on. But yeah, it's ultimately, it's, it's sad because they, they were doing a lot of interesting stuff. They put out a lot of cool titles. So it's sad to see them go. Right on. Um, I was playing Telltale older games. Before yeah, I mean, popped. you were on Back in the Future, and that was before... Back to the Future, there was one before that, too. There was Jurassic yeah. Park, they did before, and they did a couple Sam and Max games, which were, like, old school. Um, that, kind of those cool. were, dude, fucking... They were hard. I was... Point I did not know I knew, I was trying to find the goddamn guitar from Marty McFly to play that shit so I can lure the bad guys out. It's like a punch Biff in his nose. Yeah, those old games that's forever. Were, and that's probably why Telltale um, was so successful when they went to The Walking Dead. They really made it a lot more streamlined and easy yeah. for you to figure out what to do. Because those old adventure games, you're like, what the... F I have all these There's items. no help. Throwing them at shit yeah. and seeing what sticks, but... Yeah. yeah. Um... All right, we'll be back next week. Give our Bellator review, but let's be honest. We're talking about Conor McGregor next week. We're going to talk about Conor McGregor and Khabib. We're going to preview that card. We're going to talk about Tony Ferguson and Anthony Pettis. I saw Tony Ferguson doing some weird-ass lifts on Instagram. I feel he's trolling us, okay? The way Tony Ferguson lifts weight, it's really discouraging looking. Oh, you said lifts? I thought you said lips. And I was like, what no, is no, this dude weight. doing with his lips? I'm so... Lifting weight. Okay. Dude, whenever this guy lifts weight, it looks nuts. Um, him and Anthony Pettis is going to be a crackerjack. Really I'm is. slow. I'm slowly talking myself into Anthony Pettis, which sounds really dumb. So I could be that idiot. Um, there's a couple other ones on there too. I think actually. I mean, it's there's a, there's a lot. I was just looking at it. It is they 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 they. I mean, at first we thought they were going to like shit the bed on this thing and just like do nothing. But honestly, Dominic Reyes is like we got to pay attention to Dominic Reyes. Like and he's a good I mean, fighter. Really, yeah. I think I was kind of poo-pooing some of these fights before. I don't know if they changed the card, but I was looking at this main card and I was like, "Damn, this is all killer, man! I like." This. What was they? What when they went? Volkov wanted uh, Derek Lewis to fight in Russia. And Derek Lewis is like, "My black ass is not going to Russia. They will keep." So me. was that new? Was yeah. that a new addition then? That heavyweight fight because that know. does round it out nicely. That is, I like, I like this fucking Michelle Waters and Felice Herrick fight. That's a good one. Sergio Pettis and Formiga, that should be on the main card. I think it's hard for that guy not to get a title shot, the winner of that fight. Um, Liana Kunitskaya is on there. Lena Landsberg, Gray Maynard, Nick Lentz. That's, you might take a nap during that one. Um, Sean O'Malley, man. Sugar Sean on this card. Tanya Evinger on this card. Vincente Luque. This is, they did a good job, man. They didn't put another title fight on there. I don't think anybody else is necessarily that expensive. I know Anthony Pettis has got a pretty good manager. And so he probably gets paid a little bit and, Tony's got the same manager as Connor does. I mean, technically, Tony so, and Habib and Connor are all champions. So, yeah, Tony and uh, Connor have the same manager too. So, Tony hasn't fought in a year. Hey. Just saying. Before that, he waited another year. So, yeah, I'm talking to myself into Andy Pett, Anthony Pettis. I'm that idiot. Thank you guys all for listening to the show. Um, as always, we really appreciate it. Um, 
going to put our predictions up, but no one's actually going to the website to read the predictions anyway. One day we're going to write this really good long form article and be like, hey guys, remember our website? It's on there. It's kicking. Mark wrote 10,000 10, words on jujitsu and its place in society. I was going to say, if, if I'm not doing 10,000 words on Pancrase 25 year anniversary, don't look for that. You're like, uh, you're like I do not have 20,000 yeah. words on that. Um, and yeah, thanks. We'll be, at, we'll be back next week and peace out. Yep. See ya.